This is the Alchemize Your Life podcast. On this episode, we are about to go into a silent retreat. So let's talk all about how you're a dopamine addict. Give me my hit. It's not crack. Hi, I'm Sian Kenshin. And I'm Sophie Ma. And we're here to alchemize, alchemize your life. In this podcast, we show you how to apply the principles of spirituality, prosperity, and sexuality to create true and lasting transformations in your life and business. Join us at the Prism Institute of Quantum Alchemy as we explore the ancient, esoteric teachings of Buddhism, Tantra, Hermetics, and more. As we weave these primal energies together within ourselves, we repair the fractured consciousness of humanity itself. Join us in liberating the world and realizing that the gold is in you. Have you ever taken a vacation and then you get home and you feel like you need a vacation? Pretty much every vacation of my life. But like, seriously, there's always so many new things to see and learn. And like, you know, you got to hit the ground running and like do all the things and drink all the drinks and experience all the culture and see all the sights. And God, vacation, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's also very stimulating. There's a lot of stimulation. Oh, don't make that face at me. <laughs> you guys really should see this. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's vacation sex. Everybody knows vacation sex is the best kind of sex. Babe, when are we going on a real vacation? Because we've literally never taken one. I mean, I, I think we're the only ones who have taken real vacations. I think your definition of real is different than mine. Yeah. I'm talking about the kind where we get drunk and have a bunch of vacation sex all week, and then we come home I with mean, a hangover of I a mean, lifetime. Isn't that like every week? No, we do not get we do not get drunk every single week. Oh, we have vacation sex every week. I suppose that's fair. Fine. So, anyways, why why are we talking about vacation and, and vacation sex? Why yeah. are we talking about yeah. all this? So, what are you doing to us so, here? Um, yeah, no, it's it's a common thing. Like people uh, spend their lives running around working nine to five and then get home and then they're working until you know they go to bed and they sleep for six or five hours or whatever and i learned something important the other day you know we say nine to five in north america hmm. did you know that's a cultural thing in yes. australia new zealand guess what it is 10 to 2 8 to 6 Oh, they get extra fucked. Extra fucked. <laughs> anyway, so if you're in Australia or New Zealand, yeah. so this I, doubly applies. And to I you. think in France, it's like noon to two or something. Yeah, in France, they just don't work. <laughs> <laughs> Hello to all my French friends. <laughs> Bonsoir. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. So we're, we're just like exhausted and and the reason we're able to do that is we just have this like oh you know i'm gonna go on vacation soon you know we plan it a year in advance and you know we have exactly two weeks a year or three weeks a year or whatever it is our employer is willing to give us and uh but we have to plan it in advance and you know it has to be like so so it's all very regimented and mm -hmm. and it's all this like it's this objective. It's like, oh, you know, I'll be, I'll be able to relax when I get there, mm -hmm. right? But what happens when you get there? 
well, you know, the kids are fighting and maybe you get sick because you're actually allowing your nervous system to take a break for the first time in a year. And if those things don't happen, then you end up spending all of your time exploring. Exploring. Adventuring. Planning. Making sure making you're sure optimizing. You, making sure you're getting the most out of the vacation <clears throat> and that you know that that's happening. You're maximizing the utility of your vacation because it only happens so often. So you'd better... And you spent a fuck ton of money on it, yeah, too. Better let's get be it done. Yeah. Let's get as much dopamine out of this dollars spent as humanly possible. Ah, oh, you're stealing my fire. But what? No, I'm leaning no, into your I, fire. Yeah. I'm, I'm fueling <laughs> no, it, a, it for you. That was you. a very, very good segue, actually. Yeah. So, okay. So um, I know. That's why I did it. Well, what's the alternative? I mean, <laughs> like, what else is there? You know, the, the first time I took a vacation in my life, it was actually like a real vacation. I'm I'm defining real vacation. Okay, so can you define it for for all our avid listeners, please? It was very very different. Okay. Okay. So um, there's something called a retreat, and I'm sure many of you have been on retreats. You know, like we've gone to things like our friend Rania does uh, these ecstatic awakening retreats, and they're really like intense. And there's all this conscious relating. Joe Spenza has retreats as well. Um, I'm talking about a different kind of retreat. So not a retreat. That's basically just a spiritual vacation where you a do the same thing. A spiritual vacation where you do a whole bunch of things. A whole bunch of spiritual things. Yeah, where, so. you, where you keep actually letting the mind that moves move you. Mm. This is a different kind of spiritual retreat. This is a silent retreat mm. where you start to notice, well, what is it that's trying to move me? So you can do everything you want, but you just can't talk? No. You actually sit and meditate for 16 hours a day. 16 hours? Yeah, I mean, you get breaks. Usually it's about a half hour sit and then some walking and then another half hour sit and then some walking and then some half hour sit. And the walking is also meditation. Mm. Um, and, and this, Are you meditating while you're peeing? I mean, I am. Mm. I don't know if other people are. I don't. It's not a requirement. So what you're telling me is no pictures. Well, yeah, you you turn your phones off. You're not <gasps> no even supposed, cell phones. You're not even supposed to read. No reading. I mean, I read, but yeah, you're, they they discourage it. <laughs> what, and, do you do something they discourage? How unpriestly of you! Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that in the next episode, guys. Yeah. Well, no, I was I actually talked to some people who run silent retreats, and they're like, yeah, you know, reading's discouraged because most people will read things that entertain the mind mm. as an as a way of escape. Right. But if you're reading like Dharma, that's different, mm-hmm. right? It's like if you're reading about the things that you're exploring while you're on the floor in the zendo or whatever Mm -hmm. that's different now you're populating the experiences and you're framing them and actually sometimes it makes it so you actually break through a little bit Mm -hmm. yeah what's really interesting here is those that have listened to our podcast for a little while um especially the ayahuasca episode will notice a similarity here this is something that Zen silent retreats actually share with the dieta that we did with ayahuasca, which was the same thing. It's not a silent retreat, obviously, but they do also don't encourage reading for very much the same reason. They don't want you bringing like fan fiction or any kind of fiction that you're using to escape what ayahuasca is trying to um, solve for you and show for you. However, if you bring books that are dharma, then that is totally fine. Mm -hmm. And my experience in, um, in that dieta was that I had three different books I was kind of like rotating through. 
And every time I had like, you know, a bit of a challenging ceremony, which if you've listened to that episode, you know, was all of them except the first one. (laughs) Then um, invariably, whatever I just felt guided to read the next day ended up being like directly relevant to what I had been experiencing in my in my experience and in my ayahuasca uh, experience that night. So if you're choosing intuitively and you're not just like, oh, I want to read Harry Potter because it's fun, but you're like, cool, I'm going to bring these like carefully selected, like intuitively selected books and I'm going to allow myself to choose which one to read and what part of it to read intuitively, then they're they're a path towards ascension. Exactly. And, and, you know, the the real point here, and and we're going to get to the core of like how this is different from a vacation. Um, the point here is to cut away as much activity as you can Mm -hmm. so that you can start to notice why does activity arise? Mm. What causes us to do activity? And what is, what is the motivation for all of this nonsense in a lot of cases? Nonsense? Well, it's like, here, here's a story. So I went to um, India and I uh, I encountered my second silent retreat there in Tishita, mm. which is um, near the Dalai Lama's uh, monastery. And they literally say, okay, so for all of you, you know, newbies, like there's some things to watch out for. When you enter into a silent retreat, there are some things that will come up. And some people end up with so-called psychic events where they become absolutely certain that a family member is Mm. in danger or dying or whatever, and they become very adamant about it to the point where they start to like freak out and ask to leave and like, I absolutely need my phone back. I need to call them. I need to make sure like they they, like are like absolutely certain, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not the case. This is just the mind, mm. right? It's this is not your psychic powers. This is not your psychic powers, right? In in fact, like this is why you don't want psychic powers until a certain stage of evolution, because those become a tool for your ego to manipulate you. Because mm-hmm. psychic powers come from the astral realm, and the astral realm is the realm of illusion. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't learned discernment by investigating reality very closely you will be hijacked. Your spiritual so-called powers will be hijacked by your ego and you will be trapped. Mm-hmm. We'll have another episode on that for We'll sure. do an episode on that for sure. Yeah, that's that's all tree of life stuff, guys. So anyways, coming back, so people, like I've had this experience mm-hmm. like where I saw like writing on the wall of my brother's name and like danger or something like that. And oh, was, really? Yeah, and I, I mean, that was uh, my 10-day silent solo retreat. Uh, the tantric one where you and I uh, had just met previously. Okay. Are you sure it was that one? Because I remember hearing you tell that story and it was it, that one. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. remember I remember the wall. Okay. Um, anyways, obviously nothing had happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I knew that this was a, a thing. Right. Um, the mind wants to move and the mind wants to move you. Mm-hmm. And there's a very significant reason as to why, right? And the reason is in order to achieve a goal, we need to move. Mm-hmm. And in order to get dopamine, 
we need to achieve a goal. Dopamine is the neurotransmitter that is all dependent on goal setting and achieving goals. Mm -hmm. So it's like the success driver. It's also the one that all of our social media manipulates. Yeah, I mean, everything uses this. Everything uses this. And this is and this is why, like, we go on vacation and we think we're going to be able to relax and stuff, but then we find ourselves doing more and more and more things mm -hmm. because we don't actually know how to relax. We haven't been programmed to. Mm -hmm. In fact, we've been programmed to quite the opposite, especially by social media and all mm -hmm. this stuff, right? Is like we've been programmed to get these really quick dopamine hits over yeah. and over and over again. We're all just basically walking zombie drug addicts like at the end of the day when it comes to dopamine and the way that we relate to it. So when you're going on vacation, you're like, oh, I'm going to have so much. I'm like renting a cabin in the woods and I'm going to relax and it's going to be great. But the problem is that your body's like by day two is like, where the fuck's my dopamine? Yeah. And then you and have it's to find, not enjoyable. And you have to find something to do. Yeah. Right. And you're literally going through withdrawal. You go through withdrawal. And, and it's this discomfort um, that's a proxy to all of the discomfort in our lives. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if you go back to like babyhood, not even childhood, like babyhood, right? Like what? what infancy. What, infancy, right? What are, what are the first things we learn is like, I like this. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Right? This feels good. This doesn't feel this good. This feels good. This doesn't feel good. I cry or I laugh. Mm -hmm. Right? You learn those two polarities and then you build your whole ego on top of that foundation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're supposed to at some point in teenage years learn to accept pain and actually dive into it in a certain way. This was the way, like, old societies were designed, like tribal societies. People were told to accept pain, uh, taught to. And this changes the way that you interact with the environment. But if that doesn't happen, we end up seeking comfort all the time. Yeah. We're literally just walking children. Walking zombie dopamine addict children. <laughs> yeah. You've heard of this sort of like the man-child thing, right? Like it, it's it's like there is, an, there is an occurrence of a lot of men who have not grown up. You know, and I certainly was one of them in my in my twenties and early thirties. I think this applies for women as well. But yeah, we hear the mind. It's it's just more stark, you yeah. know, when you're supposed to be a man and then you're you're just like playing victim all the time or something, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And this is a result of avoiding pain and avoiding discomfort at all costs. Mm -hmm. But this is this is good for society that wants people who are controlled. Yeah. Right. Because if you avoid pain, you avoid discomfort at all costs. Well, it's really easy to control you. Yeah. It's really easy to chase you around with the carrot and the stick. Yeah, yeah, the carrot being dopamine and the stick being discomfort. Mm -hmm. Any type of pain. And so like subconsciously, we don't even notice this. Subconsciously, mm -hmm. we just are moved into action by our minds. And this is one of the challenges that we see in the spiritual community quite often when we talk about spiritual bypassing and the story of like- Follow my bliss. Follow my bliss and you should only do oh things that, ever, that make you feel good. And like, like, like those stories are technically correct technically they are correct however because we have not learned how to grow up and we have not reframed our relationship with pain and pleasure in healthy fashion mm -hmm. it ends up getting um sabotaged by the ego into oh i literally won't do anything that makes me uncomfortable ever and that is a problem in the spiritual <laughs> oh, ascension yeah. because I, it's fucking uncomfortable you you end up on the relationship hamster wheel as a result of that because you're not willing to like dive into the discomfort of a relationship and let I'll tell you guys like relationships are uncomfortable yeah actual relationships where you have to do work and you have to choose to be with a person and to like evolve each other mm -hmm. like that's uncomfortable all evolution is uncomfortable because mm -hmm. it's alchemy and like 
the main stage of the alchemical process is the dissolution of something, and that's fucking painful. Yeah, things don't just <laughs> fall away with ease and bliss and joy, you guys. It doesn't right? work that way. And so, so coming back to the the silent retreat thing, right? Like they are carefully designed to be a dopamine fast, mm-hmm. right? They're like. You must wear all black with no letters and no colors. No labels, like, baggy we're clothing. going to give you bland food, mm-hmm. you know, if you even choose to eat. Bland vegetarian food. Right. Yeah. There's, there's no seasoning, nothing, no spices, no garlic, no sugar. Da, 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 da. And you're not allowed to talk. Not allowed to talk, not allowed to touch, no eye contact. Because we get dopamine from all of this. All of it. And yeah. the cravings in the first day. And the second day are tremendous. Mm -hmm. And your mind will throw a whole kitchen sink at you Mm -hmm. of like making you want to cry, making you want to laugh, making do anything to get stimulation, Mm -hmm. make you think a family member is dying, make you like making you horny as an example, too. It will throw everything at you. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of this is to start to recognize what the fuck. What the actual fuck? Well, who is it that's deciding to throw these things at me mm-hmm. and why? You know, what is the motivation be- behind whatever part of me this is? Mm-hmm. And why is it throwing all these things at me, trying to get me to fucking move? Mm-hmm. Even beyond just scratching your nose or something. Yep. It like wants you to get up and run away. Mm-hmm. But I'm just sitting here doing nothing. What's there to run away from? Yeah, like there's nothing that's unsafe. All of my needs are met. I have shelter. I have food. I have water. I have sleep. I have everything I could possibly need. I'm so completely safe. And they do such a good job of creating like a really solid container so that every part of you knows there's nothing to fear. And that's the point. Mm -hmm. Because then you have nothing to project this deep feeling of discomfort onto in the external environment. And this is really important. So um, Cian and I, I, for me personally, started going to silent <laughs> retreats. <laughs> oh, I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> I, I started going to silent retreats myself um, during COVID. So they weren't in person, which meant that we were doing them online. And we did the best we could for the first couple of like having separate spaces and, and being separate and following well, all the, the rules. The first one, it was just one room. But the yeah, the first one, the place that we rented because we were staying with friends at the time. So we knew we couldn't do a silent retreat in a house with a bunch of kids and dogs and everything so we rented an airbnb that was out in the woods but it ended up just being like a studio suite which i don't know if we fully understood that when we got it no so there was it looked like it had separate rooms it looked like it had separate rooms but it didn't it literally like was just one room and the only room was actually the bathroom and this posed a challenge because there's literally no way to get away from each other and so for your very first ever retreat For me, what ended up happening is on day three, both of us, and this was also before we really, this was very early in our relationship. So we didn't understand the nature of traumas and triggers um, very well yet either. Shadows and that, yeah. All the shadows, like this was like very, we first six months of our relationship. So we Mm. we didn't understand any of this that we've shared with you guys on this podcast at the time. And it was so challenging because this was what, a 10-day retreat? It was a really long one. It was, I think it was eight, eight days. Was it eight days? Yeah. Okay, so it was an eight-day retreat. Uh, as my very first one. And on day four. That's about where it happens. Day three or four. Yeah, yeah, it was day four for us. 
we ended up two things happened. The first thing is I got really trauma triggered around my dad and um, relationship stuff that had come up with him. And Sian got really triggered around his mom and the way his mom would relate to him at retreats specifically. Mm -hmm. So he projected his mom's energy onto me and I projected my dad's energy onto him. And holy fuck, there was yelling, there was screaming. Like that was one of the worst fights I think we've literally ever had. The people that live on that property must have thought we were murdering each other. And they think we were at a silent retreat and here we are screaming, literally yeah. screaming at each yeah. other. That, that that definitely started a, a snowball effect of, of those those patterns um, play, yeah. playing out their, uh, their respective uh, dramas. Yeah. And it took about a year of those playing out of us like consistently working on But that was, that was where them. the Band-Aid got ripped off. There. That was where the Band-Aid got ripped off, yeah. which was beautiful for our relationship and super, super necessary. But also so you can see this is what happens if you're around another person you just project all over them right because this is what we do and it doesn't have to be a person like i was saying like you'll see writing on the wall yeah. right like your mind will literally do anything to get you into a drama or into a thing something where, that you can get dopamine where you have activity and dopamine mm -hmm. at some point like it's basically on crack. It's basically a crack addict. Your brain right? on crack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 a dopamine addict, right? Like, which is probably far worse than crack, to be perfectly honest. Um, I mean, crack I, operates on dopamine. It does. So. Yeah, yeah. Crack and cocaine both operate on dopamine. And this is the thing, guys. Like, all of us have a certain amount of dopamine receptors in our brains, and. When actually, when when you abuse drugs, for example, uh, like cocaine and crack, like they actually burn out the dopamine receptors. This also happens with things like smoking because nicotine smoking, also operates on drinking, dopamine. Eating, like, overeating as yeah, well, because yeah, eating yeah, is also yeah. a dopamine receptor activity. So if you if you end up um, gambling, yeah, if you end up like addicted to something and and you just hit that button all the time, all the time, all the time, and you find yourself hitting it more and more and more as life goes on, that's likely because the dopamine receptors are getting burnt out. Mm -hmm. It's not because you're running out of dopamine. No. There's generally, like, it's very rare that people, like, run out or, like, have lower concentrations in the brain. Mm -hmm. It's the receptors themselves that get burnt out. Yeah, so basically you have in your brain... From a chemistry perspective, you've got these like, you know, this liquid, we'll just call it, you've got this liquid that we're going to call dopamine. This is a, an oversimplification, but you've got liquid floating around that has these little dopamine molecules in it. And then you have little like vacuums that mm -hmm. suck the dopamine vacuums, yeah, up. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you have all these little vacuums in your brain that suck the dopamine up and that's what makes it work. So what happens is you can have the same amount of liquid with the same concentration of little dopamine molecules in it. But if you, instead of having 10 vacuums, because you've overused them, now you only have five vacuums, you're only going to get half the amount of dopamine because you have half the number of vacuums. So you're going to need more stimulation, more activity in order to get that hit that your brain is looking for. Yeah, you need to increase the concentration of molecules so that more of them are going through the five to get the same feeling as 10. So when you start to remove activity and you go into a real vacation. A, a real break, a, <laughs> a real, real pause. Break, a real pause uh, on reality. And you just sit with yourself. As, I mean, especially that first time. It's literally, the, the brain is going to shake. It's going to shudder. And you're going to see that by what sort of apparitions and illusions it throws at you to try to get you to move, mm -hmm. to try to get you out of there. It's going to give you this deep feeling of discomfort, of dis-ease, mm -hmm. because it knows 
that you run away from that feeling all the time, you, your whole life. That you hate being uncomfortable. Because that feeling of discomfort makes us feel and remember death. Mm-hmm. And we always run away from our mortality, mm-hmm. don't we? Don't we, as we've seen yeah. over the last two years. Old age, sickness, and death. You know, those were the three the three things that Buddha was hidden from mm-hmm. that he then went out to go and discover why why am I subject to these things and how can I transcend them? And, mm-hmm. oh, I just have to accept them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then it's they always no, about acceptance. Yeah, and then they have no power over me. Mm-hmm. But in the West, we like we avoid these things, right? We push them away. We put people that are sick into homes where we have limited restricted hours and we make them actually look more sick and more deathly mm-hmm. by putting them in the home, which makes them even scarier to go see. Yeah, so when we sit and we're silent, we start to see all of the tools that our own mind uses to make us avoid old age, sickness, death, discomfort, and seek pleasure, stimulation, activity, dopamine. Mm-hmm. And th- and this is this is literally the definition of the carrot and the stick and it's inside of you it's programs that are running that are running your life that are defining who you are and how you are you know everyone wonders why is my life this way well i mean you have to stop everything and look at it from the outside in order to truly understand it Mm. and so we call this a dopamine fast and one of the wonderful things that happens when you do this is the receptors begin to clean themselves out. They begin to heal themselves. Heal themselves because they're not getting overused. And this is, I mean, the body does an excellent job of this. This is why a lot of people do intermittent fasting or fasting Mm -hmm. in general. You give yourself a break because then your digestive system resets. Yeah, the body is a natural healer, but you have to remove the thing that it has that wants to heal from mm-hmm. <laughs> right to- the toxin in the environment or the overstimulation or or the toxic food it has to be removed in order for the body to go into rest and repair yeah otherwise right. it's just trying to stop more damage from happening and it can't go into a full repair mode yeah so when you go into a dopamine fast where you're there's no music there's no singing there's no dancing there's no tv there's not really any reading there's no human contact there's no touching there's no eyesight there's no talking no sexual pleasure you're wearing boring clothing you're eating boring food and you're literally just sitting and meditating for you know 15 to 16 hours a day and even the embodiment practice that they do is very slow and very gentle so that you're not really breaking a sweat. So that, mm-hmm. again, you're not even getting it, dopamine and endorphins and endorphins from moving. That's right. That's right. So and all of that means yes. your dopamine receptors actually get to repair themselves. Yeah. And, and that's even like not even including all the additional benefit that meditation does for you yeah. and, and that the insight that comes up, you know, that's, that's another whole story that we can get into. And possible mystical experiences yeah. that actually rewire your DNA and work with the pineal gland and et cetera, et cetera. But at the end, oh man, this, this is, this is the, the one where the lights really go on for people. Like at the end of the dopamine fast, at the end of the silent retreat, when you finally like step out into stimulation, into talking with people, out into the world, everything's brighter. Mm -hmm. Everything's Everything's louder. Louder. 
it almost feels like too much. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you one thing. Try eating a melon. A melon which is usually so bland and almost flavorless for a lot of people, especially smokers. After this, after not smoking, after like not doing anything, try a melon because it tastes like the most godly, beautiful food on the planet because your senses are just turned way up. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't figured it out yet, we are very pro silent retreat. We strongly recommend, we're about to go into one, which is why this topic is top of mind for us. We strongly recommend that you go to a silent retreat and then have a melon. You can do Vipassana. <laughs> that, that's, that's the formula, guys. And then have a melon. <laughs> that's the requirement. Now, you can do this with a Vipassana-style retreat if you want to do it with a really tight Zen container. Um, we work with Hollow Bones. Yeah, check, check out hollowbones.org. Mm-hmm. And they have them all over the US. They do online ones as well. So if you're not able to physically come to a location, you can also do them online. And they hold a really, really beautiful container. Now, if that sounds a little too overwhelming, they do one day and two day retreats as well. You don't have to jump into eight days. Yeah, like we yeah did. you can ease into it. Yeah. Um, see how crazy my mind really is. <laughs> exactly. Now, if that is still not available to you, there is one little baby step that I personally took, and it made it a lot easier for me to even come to terms with the idea of a multi-day silent retreat. And for me, that was float tanks. Mm. So float tanks made it, if you live in a city where you have float tanks accessible to you, um, a 90-minute float is is very similar to the sensory deprivation that you're going to get in this type of retreat where you can't really hear, feel see anything. And so being in that tank, usually there's 60 to 90 minutes. If you can do that for like a couple hours, work yourself up to a couple hours at a time, that's a really, really good baby step into what a mm. silent retreat experience will be like. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a, it's, it's like a little mini retreat. And, yeah. and you, you notice will... the sensory experience too. Like whenever I come out of a float, I feel like overwhelmed by how loud everything is. So mm-hmm. you'll, you'll get an idea of that that difference and and the dopamine starting to like fast out of your system, even with just an hour to two hours worth of of being in a float tank. Yeah. And if you try to hold yourself to being aware and not moving and not thinking and not falling asleep, you'll start to notice how much your mind wants to do any one of those things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. You can make it into a concentration meditation if you want. Yeah. Beautiful. So exciting news, you guys. The next episode, we're going to be interviewing Mr. Sian Kenshin, who's going to have a new Dharma name the next time you hear from him. Because oh, I'm so excited. After this silent retreat that we're going into, he's coming out as an ordained Zen priest. So stay tuned for next week's episode where we're going to interview him all about what it means to be a priest in the modern day. I don't know if I know the answer to that. That's perfect. This is going to be great. (laughs) We'll see you guys next week. We are so grateful that you decided to hit play on today's episode. If anything in this episode has inspired you or helped you transform your life, make sure to let others know by sharing a review on Spotify or iTunes so we can keep our community growing. We absolutely adore giving away free gifts Send us a screenshot of your review to team at theprism.org to receive a special meditation from us as a gift of gratitude. We absolutely cannot wait to connect with you in the next episode. 
Between now and then, don't forget to visit our website at theprism.org. And remember, the goal is always in you.